Well, this morning we do look to Romans chapter 12, um, one of my very favorite uh, sections, as I think I've indicated to you in all of the scripture, uh, verses 9 through 21. This will be the last time that we will read that section in its entirety uh, as we will um, conclude with verse 21 today. Um, And I want you to uh, I want you to hear again at each point. I think I recall there being 27, perhaps, commands that are that are listed here, one after the other. And each one of them in some way reflects love at its genuine best, at its genuine best. And so we pray that the spirit would be again working this through us, that we would see what genuine love looks like and and assure us of our union with Christ that enables us against even high odds to be able to to be able to live uh, righteously in this dark world. So uh, read along with me, please, right where you are, uh, from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. This is God's word. Let love be genuine. Abhor uh, what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it uh, to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Please join with me again in prayer. Our God and Father, we ask that as we look in this strong yet beautiful passage. We will be stirred by seeing Jesus. We would be changed by your Holy Spirit, the Lord and the giver of life. So please um, speak to us and Holy Spirit, uh, soften hearts, unclog ears uh, so that we may, as we hear, um, be changed. In Christ's name. Amen. 
Well, we all have been wronged in a variety of ways. We have been sinned against. Uh, we have been treated unjustly. Uh, people in our lives, in our, our families, have been treated unjustly. And our instinct is to respond, returning evil for evil. I want to go back to the beginning of chapter 12, the first two verses, and I want to read those two verses again in the J.B. Phillips translation. Uh, I, I love I J.B. Phillips' translation, but these two verses in particular are so well known and phrased so beautifully the transforming power of God's mercy uh, in our lives. Listen to these verses again. Chapter 12, 1 and 2. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give Him your bodies as a living sacrifice consecrated to Him and acceptable by Him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves toward the goal of maturity. By the mercies of God, we are enabled to respond to evil with good. But we'll also see today that one of the great tools that God gives us is his justice that also enables us to return good for evil. And I want to remind you of this genuine love. And I'd like to read several verses again from J.B. Phillips to capture, see the flow of these verses 17 and following in this passage, or rather 14 and following in this passage, and how the theme of responding to evil is so prevalent in this lovely passage, and we must therefore surmise that it is prevalent in our own world as well. Listen to these descriptions as it includes a gospel response to evil. And as for those who try to make your life a misery, bless them. Don't curse. Bless. Verse 16, live in harmony with each other. Don't pay back a bad turn by a bad turn to anyone. Don't say it doesn't matter what people think, but see that your public behavior is above criticism. As far as your responsibility goes, live at peace with everyone. Never take vengeance into your own hands, my dear friends. Stand back and let God punish if he will. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. These are God's words. Therefore, if your enemy, is, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him to drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Don't allow yourself to be overpowered with evil. Take the offensive, overpower evil by good. Let me read that last verse once again. Don't allow yourself to be overpowered with evil. Take the offensive, overpower evil by good. 
he walked into Emmanuel, um, African uh, Methodist Episcopal Church, a black church uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. He talked with those who had gathered that night uh, for more than an hour. He prayed even with them before gunning down eight of those precious children of God. We are horrified by such behavior, but sadly we are not totally surprised when we hear of such events. What is surprising in this case is how those family members, many of them responded to the shooter a bit later. Many of them wanted to give him a second chance, wanted to forgive him. And this, um, after driving for two hours to find just the right symbolic point, that church in which he could showcase his evil. But against all his expectations, there was a totally different, a totally different symbol emerged. One, one writer put it this way, the killer set out to defile a sacred place and ended up showing why it is sacred. Uh, that forgiving church showed what it means to follow Christ. And it showed that there is nothing soft about forgiveness. There is nothing passive about it. There is nothing easy about forgiveness and about showing mercy to those who have hurt you so deeply. It does require, instead, a clear-eyed vision, even as it has been said, Father, forgive them, for they don't have any idea, any idea of what they are doing. This morning, my theme is very simply that we would live the gospel by practicing mercy. We would live the gospel by practicing mercy, not by showing revenge. I want, to, I want to move through this passage, uh, verses 19 and following, just very, just looking at each verse and the phrases, the commands that God gives to us here. And, and first of all, uh, verse 19 says, don't you pay back evil. Um, it's not yours to repay. Retaliation is the most natural thing for us, and it is also the most difficult thing, one of the most difficult things for us to overcome. Christians by the mercies of God, don't seek revenge. Christians do not be overcome by resentment and that burning sense of injustice. You may even now be recalling the hurts that someone has uh, brought against you. Um, You may be remembering as well uh, your um, response of anger, of wicked talk, or of cold avoidance in response to that anger. We can rehearse over a period of, of months, even years, ways perhaps that we can get back. But Paul says here, beloved, beloved, dear friends, I know it is hard 
But don't ever resort to being a spiritual vigilante. Never take matters into your own hands. That is the clearest sight, the clearest sign that you have lost sight of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll be seeing in the next chapter that there certainly is a role for the government uh, to deal with the, the sins and crimes of its citizens and in so doing to inflict the wrath and even the judgment of God against evildoers. But here we're talking about personal matters and here we're talking about not returning um, evil for evil. Well, how is it that we are, can be free from so avenging ourselves? How can we not avenge ourselves? It is not yours to repay, the Apostle says, but then the next comment, but let God deal with it. Give place to God's wrath. Give place uh, to God's wrath. You may be the victim of a great evil, or someone in your close family or circle of friends may, be, may have been or, or still is a victim of great evil. And there is a sense of justice that cries out from within us that seemingly cannot be, cannot be quieted. This must be made right. How do you let it go? By knowing that God never will. By knowing that God won't let it go. You see, we are empowered as this passage has said, we are empowered by the mercies of God to love our enemy. But here we also see that we are empowered by the justice of God to love our enemy. Justice is certain. God is righteous. All evil will be addressed. Justice will be avenged in the person. Now, probably, Certainly later, though, God's justice will be avenged. If not in the person, well then in Christ Himself who dies in the place of sinners, absorbing God's wrath for us. In either case, listen to this, your sense of justice will one day be completely satisfied. Your longing for a just outcome will one day be completely satisfied. And if you seek revenge, you're really trying to take God's job from Him. And you will always get it wrong. You and I are blinded by our own self-righteousness. We will hit back too hard. Or we will hit that back the wrong person. And what we will always overlook, we will routinely be way too easy on ourselves. Well, my question then for you is, against whom are you keeping a record of wrongs? And how do you deal with it? With mercy? Maybe. That does often help. But certainly with God's justice. Listen to this. Mercy softens your heart to make it tender. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. They don't really know the extent of what they're doing. Mercy softens your heart to make it tender. Knowing the justice of God strengthens your heart to give you courage to love that enemy even now, knowing that that enemy 
is in God's hands. Do not pay back uh, evil for evil. Leave it in God's hands. And instead then, act out, uh, act out gospel grace. Seek to do them good. Uh, seek to bless your enemy. Seek to do them good. Do you know that loving uh, those who are in our own families or our, our circle of friends uh, it is not a mark of a Christian? It's not. Uh, Jesus repeatedly says, even, the, even the, the pagans do that. They love the people who are nice to them. They love their family members. Loving enemies is a mark of a Christian. This, this uh, idea here of, of, of if one is hungry to feed him, if he's thirsty to give him to drink, is really taken out of the Proverbs. And uh, understand that that, that uh, context and that, that meaning there is you're helping someone who is in distress, you're helping someone who has perhaps been wounded or someone who is vulnerable, and, and the way that you are feeding them, that word conveys the idea of breaking off a little bit of bread at a time, giving that person just what he or she needs at just the right time, at just the right proportion, and being measured and careful and intentional in providing what that person needs. It is not staying away, it is being close enough to care for what that person needs. You're not taking advantage. You're doing whatever you can uh, in order to help that person. You're seeking uh, to do them good. Uh, Thomas Brooks, in his uh, commentary on, uh, on uh, the Proverbs, makes this statement. We are disciples of him who died for his enemies. We are followers, disciples of him who died for his enemies. And that is certainly true, as we saw earlier from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Again, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued in trusting himself to him who judges justly. See, Emmanuel, uh, AMEC, um, showed far more than Jesus' example. They did that in a wonderful way. But they showed as well that Jesus lives in the church. There's the only way it can happen. That Jesus changes us from being people whose minds think in terms of payback and retaliation. And Jesus gives us power to do what we naturally can't do. Again, verses 20, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He took the penalty of our sins away from us by his death. And he empowered us by living in us that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been not just forgiven, but you have been healed. So seek to do uh, that person good. Seek to do them good. And, and to seek, seek to do them good um, for their good. Um, um, for by so doing, the end of verse 20, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now that is a very strange phrase, and people have done a number of different things with it. 
one of the trans, one of the interpretations that people often give is that it refers to judgment because God himself will rain down. Psalm 11 says this. God himself will rain down fiery coals on the wicked in judgment. And these coals then, in this passage too, it is said, represent the judgment that we would bring upon them. In other words, that as we treat them kindly, it increases their culpability. As we treat them kindly, it it heightens their punishment. And if you take it that way, you can almost say, well then, then the reason we are kind is to make their judgment even more difficult. Now that may be an outcome, a more stern judgment, but is it a goal? I think better is to put it this way, is that those coals of fire that are placed on on someone's head, as you do good to them, as you do kindness to them, even as they have despitefully used you, it may cause them shame, it may cause them embarrassment, and it would create the pangs of conscience that may, by God's grace, even cause them to change their behavior. As God's kindness leads us, Uh, to repentance, chapter 2, Romans says. So uh, he may use our kindness to lead someone else to repentance. Well, uh, John Calvin, uh, a master commentator, I I love what he says. Let me read read a a longish sentence from Calvin. He says, I take a simpler view um, that uh, his mind shall be turned to one side or another. For doubtless our enemies shall be uh, either softened by our benefits or if he be so savage that nothing can tame him, he shall yet be burnt and tormented by the testimony of his own conscience on finding himself overwhelmed by our kindness. In other words, Calvin is saying that it can work, it can work either way and there can be, there can be a softening because of our kindness in showing mercy, but there can also be a, a further aggravation and he can be burnt and tormented by his own conscience on finding himself overwhelmed by our kindness. Show mercy. Leave the consequences with God. Show mercy because of the justice of God. God said, I'll take care of it. You do your part. Well, verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, I, I, uh, the thought came to my mind looking at this, is that evil... Evil is electric. Watch out for it. It has great power. How do you overcome it? There is a warning then, first of all, not to allow their evil uh, to overcome you. Not to allow their evil to overpower you. Um, Evil, obviously, evil hurts us deeply. But it can't kill you. Evil hurts you, but it does not need to harm you. It does not need to defeat you. 
Those dear folks at the Emmanuel AMEC were hurt with unbelievable pain that while on this earth they will never forget. But they were not harmed by evil. Evil only harms you if it leads you to evil. Evil only harms you if it leads you to return uh, evil for evil. Your heart, allowing your heart to be deformed and become gross by your rage or revenge. Evil only overcomes you if you use it yourself. Evil only overcomes you if you resort to it. And you become as wrong as they are. If you don't kill it, um, evil will intensify like a feedback loop. Remember the mercies of God for you. But remember also the justice of God for you, who alone can quiet your bent to, keep, uh, to no longer keep a record of wrongs. Quiet your bent so that you no longer keep a record of wrongs. Every sin will be fairly atoned for. Let God uh, do his part. Do not be overcome by evil. Do not allow the evil that you have experienced from another to so pollute and deform your heart that you return evil for evil. Instead, instead, overcome, overpower evil with good. The year was 1971. Um, not that long ago. I was a junior in high school, right? So uh, the year was 1971. And it took place in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, there was a black school that was, uh, was, uh, was uh, taken over by fire. It was consumed by fire. Perhaps arson, not certain about that. In any case, uh, the town wrestled with what to do with the children who, were no longer, who no longer had a school available to them. And the thought was that, well, one, one solution that seemed to be the simplest was to, uh, to desegregate the white school and have these, these uh, black kids come uh, into, that, into that white school. Uh, there was a woman named Ann uh, Atwater who led the charge um, uh, for, on behalf of her daughter to, to open up that white building uh, for her children and the other ones who had just lost their own school. And of course, uh, 1971, Durham, South Carolina, there was great conflict between uh, the white folk in town and the black folk in town. Uh, there was uh, a protagonist on the other side uh, from Anne. Uh, his name was C.P. Ellis. Um, and I am uh, confident that uh, no, no relation there. Uh, but he was head of the local KKK, and he led the opposition against, against Anne uh, and the rest of uh, the black uh, population as they were seeking to care for their own families. There was arson. Uh, houses were, were, um, were, were ruined. Uh, there were attacks on family and families. And, it, and Anne became aware. She was drawn, in, drawn into a conversation with CP. And, and she made a comment at one point uh, to him. And she said, same God made me as made you. Same God made me as made you. And, and there began to be, in, in her part, 
starting with her, a bit of a softening towards CP. And then they both began to see each other as people. Uh, a little bit later on, Anne learned that CP's son was, uh, was in uh, a home for disabled children, and he was in a very difficult circumstance. He was in a room uh, with another person who was out of control, and it was just... It just made it made it very very difficult for CP's son uh, in that living situation. CP tried to get his room changed. He was not able to do that, and then Anne found out about it, and she was able by some means to uh, have uh, CP's son removed into a different room, a, a single room where he could be cared for, and he could be. Um, provided for better by his family as well as by the staff. Well, the vote on what to do with these black students was coming up. There was a showdown uh, on the horizon as to whether or not to desegregate it, and the votes were coming in. Uh, The votes were close, and then finally CP got up and he said something like this, how can I be the leader of the KKK if I don't hate black people? And right in front of all of that group, he ripped up his KKK card. And with his vote, uh, the schools were desegregated. The school was desegregated. The rest of the town continued to fight fire with fire. The white folks, many of them, uh, boycotted CP's gas station, and he was going under. And one more act of kindness, kindness, kindness given, kindness returned. Kindness given, kindness returned. And brought a number, a big chunk of the, of the black community, lined up their vehicles a block long in order to purchase gas from CP. Overpower evil with good. I'm going to ask you again, against whom are you keeping a record of, law, of wrongs? Remember, that love is strong enough to overpower evil. So consider this question, these questions. What bread, what bread can God lead you? Is God leading you in your circumstance to give to this person? What water, with what water can you refresh her heart? What coals of kindness can you place on his head. Remember, your part, though challenging, is small. You do your part, and you let God do his. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we um, humbly bow before you today, and we remember what Jesus has done for us. We remember that he has overcome our evil with good, that at just the right time, uh, Christ died for the ungodly to bring sinners home. Lord, we pray that this dynamic, this gospel dynamic, this grace dynamic would, um, would grip us. But we also pray that the justice dynamic would steal us giving us courage to do what is right because we've left the consequences with you. Father, I pray for any here this morning that have uh, 
that have particular um, weaknesses and, and concerns and needs in this area. Perhaps even in their own families, perhaps in a close friend where they're just not sure what to do. I pray that you would grant confidence, wisdom, gentleness, courage, and strength. Let each of us know that as we live in this life, dealing with, with difficulties of this nature, that you live in us and you make our putting coals on someone's head um, a a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. So we pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.